Welcome to The Satisfaction Project, your sex-positive adults-only guide to escorts with Aussie sex worker Georgie Wolfe. This is episode nine. If there's anything I've learned from my time in the sex industry, it's that sexual attraction is diverse and sex workers come in all shapes and sizes. Unfortunately, society's fear of fat can cause stress, shame and awkwardness for workers and clients. Jessie Sage joins us again in this episode to unpack fat phobia and to back you up if you're a fan of fat too. Hello again. How are you doing, Jessie? I'm good. It's fun to be back here. So um, I'm really looking forward to this conversation too, but before we do um, get stuck into it, there's a couple of little things um, that I need to say. So um, firstly, this podcast is being recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Um, I'd like to pay my respect to elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who may be listening. And I also have a few disclaimers around the sex work stuff. Um, Firstly, we don't speak for everyone. This is an opinion-only zone. Second, there's no legal advice here either, so it's your job to know your local laws and follow them. And last, remember that everyone does things their own way, so no matter what, please follow your sex worker's advice. And now that we're done with that, I would absolutely love for you to just give us a bit of an introduction, just in case we have any listeners that missed you the last time around. Like, um, you know, who are you? What kind of work do you do? And what kind of other stuff do you do? Because you do a, a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm Jesse Sage. I am Pittsburgh-based, which is in Pennsylvania in the United States. I um, am writing a book right now about sex work. Ooh. So that's what I'm working on primarily. Um, so exciting. <laughs> but I'm also a full-service worker. I used to for a very long period of time, maybe the last six years prior to me moving into full service, I did online clips, I did camming, I did phone sex, I did a lot of that. And I was a sex columnist for many, a couple of years, and I write all over the place. Fantastic. Yep. I've seen your stuff popping up all over the place. You write for BuzzFeed, you write for Trist. We both write for Trist. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, lots of really good work and lots of really oh, good Oh, and advocacy. I have a podcast. I forgot about that. <laughs> Tell us about your podcast. Yeah, actually I have, I have two. One is wrapping up. The Peep Show podcast has run for many years. We are wrapping that up in the next month. Um, that I ran with my partner since 2017. It's a, uh, news and stories from the sex industry. Um, and I have a new one with Melrose Michaels called On the Horizon and Horizon like W-H-O-R-I-Z-O-N. And we are talking about what's on the horizon for sex workers and how to navigate it. Super exciting. And I love Peep Show podcasts and I'm sad that it's coming to an end, but also really excited about the stuff that you guys have started talking about now. Um, And just a bit of an aside, it's not crucial to your podcast, but your avatars for the illustration for your podcast are Mm -hmm. really fucking hot. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know I can't take credit for those, but they really are. Uh, somebody that uh, Melrose had worked with before did it. So it's very fun. So good. I want to find someone that's good at that stuff and get them to draw me looking like a fucking goddess. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you their at. <laughs> Please. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Um. So today we're talking about, for lack of a better word, fat stuff. We're talking about what it's like to, to not fit um, the standard idea of what physically attractive kind of mm-hmm. kind of is you know um and look you know I, I've learned a lot since getting into the sex industry and one of the best things that I've learned since I started work as an escort 
is that there really is someone for everyone. Like Mm -hmm. when I started, I assumed that I'd have to be like size 10 and blonde and white and like super like super skinny or curvy in all the right places, whatever mm-hmm, the right mm-hmm. places are, that I'd have to have huge boobs, that I'd have to have this very particular type of personality to make it as an escort. And, mm-hmm. of course, you know, once I arrived, I discovered that that is not the case, that there are so many different types of people, different backgrounds, different personalities, and obviously different um, body shapes as well, and that, uh, you know, clients find all these different things attractive, that they're not mm-hmm. all uh, you know, we don't all like the same thing and that's, that's actually mm-hmm. really okay. It was really cool. It just totally busted my kind yeah. of like childhood idea of what I needed to be to be attractive to other people. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I'm not going to be attractive to everyone, but I'll be attractive to the right people. And it was just yeah. this huge light bulb moment. But a lot of people haven't had that experience, haven't had the chance to have that sudden light bulb moment of, oh my God, we're actually allowed to be attracted to other things than just right. skinny, yeah. white, blonde. Not that there's anything wrong with that, folks. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I found that I thought was really interesting is I found that a lot of clients are very nostalgic. I don't know if you've had this experience too, where like Mm. they're attracted to somebody because to me, I mean, I can only speak from my own experience, but they're attracted to me because I'm shaped like their wife who died or um, their first girlfriend that they had, like I look something like them, or I have the kind of body that they remember being attracted to when they were younger. Are there there's all sorts of things mm. that like they're connecting me and my body to not to some supermodel that they've seen, but to like real people in their lives that they've connected with. And um, that's been really interesting to me. It's kind of generational too. It's a bit like I know that there are clients who specifically seek out workers that have that are unshaved mm-hmm. because, you know, in their day when they were young, um, you know, people didn't shave their body hair and so that's yeah. what they find sexy. And I know that the idea of what's sexy in people in body shape has changed a lot through the ages and over the years. There really is no fixed, uh, you know, ideal. Yeah. Yeah, it's very culturally um, situated and that's been that's been really, really interesting. And I think that you're right. I think the same thing happened to me where I don't know that I necessarily – thought that everybody had the exact same taste, but I was kind of blown away. Actually, so my my entry into sex work, I have to say, was camming. That was the first thing that I did. And when I started camming, I realized that a lot of the things that I was super self-conscious about because they weren't like the norm, like I didn't like how my nipples looked or I didn't like this or I didn't like that, that oh. those tended to be things that people picked out as what they like really liked um, because oh. they were like somewhat like unique or whatever, you know, like, and what I found really interesting is that all these things that I was like, oh, I don't want anybody to see this. I don't want them to see my belly or I don't want them to see this. It's like the things that they actually picked up on and really liked. And so I, through that process of like becoming, um, becoming naked on the internet, having like my body like scrutinized, um, which sounds really negative and in some cases is negative, but it was also, it could be, but like. Depending on the circumstances. Yeah. But by and large, it was a way of like reimagining my body, like through the eyes of somebody else, through the eyes of a lot of other people in a way that I think allowed me to see like what other people found beautiful about me and kind of change my own conceptions about myself. 
that affirmation, it's not that we rely on other people's opinions of us or we shouldn't solely, mm-hmm. but, yeah, it makes a difference. And people telling us we're sexy, especially when it's repeatedly and a lot of different people, it does make a really big difference and it helps yeah. us see ourselves differently. Yeah, yeah. We tend to pick ourselves apart for all sorts of mm. things and then we realise that, like, that's not the lens through which other people are seeing us. And That's not how it works. Right. We don't look at other people like that. We don't scrutinize other people in the way that we think people scrutinize us, if that makes sense. (laughs) And this applies to more than just the physical, but it definitely applies to the physical. And this Mm -hmm. is kind of interesting for you because you've had a bit of a journey getting to this place, haven't you? We were just chatting before the podcast started about um, how your body's changed over time as you've been working. Like, I'd love to hear that story if you're comfortable. Yeah. So, I mean, the the interesting thing is that I didn't get into sex work until I was much older. I'm 40, um, almost 44, and um, I was 36 when I got in. So it's been eight years. Um, but um, prior to that, and I'm also a mom, but I've been having kids since I was really young, since I was 24. So I had a kid mm-hmm. at 24, at 27, and at 39 while I was in the sex industry, actually. So, like... Um, my body has changed a lot, like over the amount of time that I was in uh, the industry, but also before that. And so I had two kids when I was young, um, in my 20s. And then my whole 30s, up until about 36, I was in a different marriage, I was doing graduate Mm. school, and I was also marathon running. So I was a marathoner. And I was 100 pounds lighter than I am now because you run Mm -hmm. like 60 miles a week. It's like a crazy training schedule. You burn Um, a lot of calories. Yeah, a lot. And so prior to um, my early 30s, when I got into marathoning, I was just like, I've always had hips and I've always had an ass, but I was like, I didn't have a lot of body fat. I was like a thin person. Um, And then when I started running, um, I lost like most of my body fat, became like super muscular, was really small. I was 100 pounds less than I am now, but like very Mm -hmm. muscular. And um, then a lot of life changes happened like all at once. So I left my marriage. I left my PhD program. I left like my whole world turned totally upside down. And when it turned totally upside down, I stopped running. Um, I just, I didn't have the time and attention for that. I needed to focus it on like, how am I going to navigate this new life? Mm, And big deal. It is. And I switched my whole career. Like I was on an academic track. I left that like more or less everything in my life I changed. And when I did that, um, I don't know if it's because of the running. I actually haven't done a lot of reflecting about this because it hasn't been something that's been traumatic for me. Um, Mm -hmm. interestingly, but like, uh, when I, I, maybe because I stopped running and my whole life changed all at once, I put on a lot of weight at the same time. And, um, as I was doing that, um, I was also camming. And so like when I was camming, I was putting on weight, but like Mm -hmm. the interesting thing about camming was that like you have an audience of people who find you hot, (laughs) you know? So like, I'm like gaining weight, but then I also had a pregnancy in there too. So I cammed when I was pregnant as well. So like, Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And it does change your body so much too. So, yeah. So much. And then, yeah. So I had this like pregnancy and I had it very like publicly and, um, there was a lot of like praise for that at the time. Like, Oh, look how like pretty she looks. I remember like this. And so there was always this way in which like, when I entered the industry and I felt very, um, 
I was very like affirmed for my body in this way that was very like goddessy, you know? Um, and I think that, um, and then, but the, the weird thing about this is that like, so I didn't feel particularly self-conscious because everything changed. So I wasn't like focused on my body. You know, I was mm-hmm. like, my, I was just like surviving. I got to survive this. My the husband. Bigger shit to worry about. I'd bigger shit to worry about. My husband um, that I'm with now um, had cancer twice during this period. Oh, like there was just so much going on that like what jean size I wore was like not the biggest of my concerns. Right. So like. <laughs> Um, and it's not because I don't care about how I look, but it, I just like that wasn't Priorities. the most salient thing, you know? Seriously, and yeah. So, um, you know, I think some of it was aging, some of it was life transition, some of it was not uh, training anymore. All of those things like together. Um, and so it was super interesting that like I, in this very like public way, um had my body changed and it took me a while for me to catch up to it. But the, the time that I started catching up to it was when I got a big enough profile and a big enough following that people started to, um, talk about me, like start to, well, uh, describe me as like a BBW performer or like talk about my work as it, two things would happen. Like when I started doing a lot of clips, when like mini vids came on the scene, um, my clips would be categorized as BBW and I'd be like, wait, what? I'm a BBW. Yeah. <laughs> who, who does that? Who's in charge of that process? Is it just your clients that tag them? Is it the site? No, I mean, you tag, them? you can tag them, but then like people would describe them as like, Oh, look at this like cool clip with this, like, you know, BBW woman or whatever. And I would be like, wait, what? And oh. then I'd be like, Oh, okay. You know, <laughs> but like you're, you're in the pigeonhole now. <laughs> yeah. And it didn't like, it didn't insult me because I think there's lots of sexy, bigger women, but like, I also wouldn't have assigned that to myself, you know, like that's not how I was thinking about myself. And then it became even more so when I was writing a lot, I mean, I'm always writing a lot, but like when I started writing a lot and getting like people reading my stuff, um, I would have women reach out to me. And this was the most interesting to me. They would send me letters or DMS or whatever. And they would say things like, um, especially when I was writing a column in my city, cause I used to write a column for the alt weekly in my city and they would reach out to me and they would be like, Oh my gosh, I loved, um, I love reading you, your, um, work and how unapologetically like sexual you are as a fat woman. And like, they saw themselves in me. And I, I remember it the first couple times that happened being like, cause I do write about fat, like sometimes, but it's not the majority of what I write about. And so mm. I was like, I remember a couple times being like, wait, was I talking about bodies in this piece that they're talking about? And I would go back and look and it has like nothing to do with fatness. It's just there. Yeah. <laughs> it was just that I wrote it. And, um, and, you know, and I think maybe, I think maybe that's why I don't have such a negative feeling about fatness, beca- about my own fatness, I should say. Um, because it became this very, uh, it's, it's weird for me. Like I, I know that many, many people like have horrible experiences and, um, and are traumatized by that. But for me, like I became political at the same time as I became fat. And so like fatness became tied up with like my politics. And so mm. like when I started to see that, when I started to see how like women were responding to me, I was like, 
yeah, fuck yeah. Like if I'm making right. them feel good, this is awesome. You know, <laughs> there was something really nice about that. Um, and then the the response from men is a little bit different. I have to say that like, um, it wasn't all good. I got like really, really terribly like, um, criticized for a documentary that we did and it was terrible. And I can talk more specifics about that, but like, yeah. um, but even going through that, when I came out the other side of it, I was like, now, now I feel like, um, I, um, even more like resolved in like, this is these people's problem. Like this is how they view their, my body is their problem and not my your attitude is, is okay. Their attitude is not okay. And that's pretty yeah. firmly entrenched, which is good because a lot of people don't have that. And they spend a long time <laughs> yeah. wondering or feeling that they're wrong. And it sounds mm-hmm. like maybe some of your readers were really coming to you with that feeling like, we feel like we're not allowed to feel sexy or not allowed to have sex or not allowed to get laid or, yeah. you know, because we're not skinny. Yeah. Um, and that's super common, right? You know, fat yeah. people don't have sex lives or aren't allowed to date or aren't allowed to have good sex. Or they should feel lucky. Like I, I read this piece by Kate Harding that was really good called How to Fuck a Fat Woman, I think. And one of the things that she said is that when she, like, that her as a writer, a fat writer, um, would have people write to her and say, like, you'd be lucky to be raped because that would mean that somebody liked you, you know, things like what from like a feminist, uh, writer. So yeah, I mean, there, there is this like very deep, like fat women aren't desirable. They should feel grateful for anyone who gives them attention. Um, Oh my God. And let's not get too, I won't get too gendered around this stuff, but I also just want to really shout out, um, like we know there's a gendered, there's some gender stuff around this, right, that there's a this kind of gendered sort of um, expectation around women that their appearance is sometimes the most mm-hmm. important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also want to give a shout out to guys, particularly male clients who feel too ashamed to see yeah. a worker because mm-hmm. they have some wobbly bits. And I know um, a lot of clients, especially older or bigger guys, feel a lot of shame at seeing Mm -hmm. people they think are really hot um, because they feel like they just don't measure up and have no business being with someone that is a different body type to them. And that's, you know, that doesn't mean, I don't think that's cool. No. Yeah. I have clients who reach out to me and in their, um, uh, when they use my booking form, one of the things that they'll say in the like about me is like, well, I'm self-conscious about my belly and this and that. And I just mm. want to say like, I don't ever judge people for their bodies. And maybe this comes back to that should be lucky kind of thing. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I'd better warn you ahead of time because, you know, I don't deserve this. Even though yeah. I'm paying, I still don't deserve this as much as someone who's more conventionally attractive. And that's that's really sad. That's not something right. I want any of my clients or friends to experience. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, same. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing that I was um, telling you about or the thing that I alluded to is that a couple of years ago, um, two and a half years ago, I guess now, um, Vice did a document documentary on me and my husband and they did a very I'm good job a frightened face I, they yeah, did do a good job they did a good job it Excellent. was only like 10 minutes um what they were trying to do is a series on like people who use their bodies like unconventionally for mm-hmm. their jobs so there was like a professional cuddler there was a professional like um 
wrestler. Um, there was like all sorts of like it wasn't just about the sex industry. It was about like how how are people using their bodies? And so they did one on us for at the time we were mostly doing like uh, indie porn. And so they came and they interviewed us and we were going through a lot at the time. Um, it's it's kind of cringy. I don't even like talking about it because I go back and I watch it and I'm like, oh, my God, they don't talk about this in the in the video, but I can see it in our faces that like mm-hmm. w- they came to our house the day that PJ started chemo. So we were oh, like shell shocked. Like we didn't even know when we agreed to it, that that was going to happen. And then oh, man. we decided not to pull out, but I can just tell by our affect that we look like we're very like boring people, but we were so stressed, you know, about Struggling. like things that were totally tangential to the um, video. But Oh my God. They I'm did so a, sorry. That yeah. Awful. Yeah, it was fine. But like they did, I mean, it was, it was terrible, but we're way past that now, but um, they did a good job in the sense that they weren't stigmatizing. They talked to us about what, like what our motivations were. And then they, they did some filming of us, like just doing this at home video because they wanted to show parts of that as well. Well, in order to do that, obviously I like take most of my clothes off, like, YouTube friendly, but still like enough. And the video went viral. It's got maybe like 6 million views now, like way Mm. more than like I would have thought people would see, be interested in this Mm -hmm. 10 minute clip about like these parents who live in the suburbs and make, you know, (laughs) indie porn, you know, I've watched that. I mean, just saying. (laughs) And um, the comments were, so mean like people just ripped my body apart and it was really shocking because um when you're in a sex work bubble like people are very affirming you know like the clients come to you because they like your body um within the community people are trying to support each other and hold Mostly each other pretty supportive yeah trying to hold each other up and so moving outside of like what we call sex work twitter um to like youtube and the mainstream was yeah. like traumatic because people were saying things like um yeah, more trigger trigger warnings people were saying things like she looks like she wakes up in the morning and drinks a jar of mayonnaise they said oh my things God. like oh she's a whale if she lost 100 pounds she might make some money um they, they like uh, insulted like our ability to make it in this industry because the one thing that Vice did that was like clickbaity and like not didn't make me happy mm-hmm. is like the title was something like this couple makes porn to pay their rent. And so they were like, you guys can't. But like, OK, we have a mortgage, but this is like stupid and doesn't matter. But people were like, yeah, if she was maybe like thinner, they could pay their mortgage. And I was like, thanks for the up. business like, advice. Yeah, folks. we do have one, but that's <laughs> none of your business. This is a clickbaity title. Um, yeah. So there was like many, many like things just tearing me down. And I have like a very lovely friend who was like, don't read those. I'm going through and I'm reading them and I'm reporting all the mean ones. So she oh, like single-handedly like <laughs> went through and did that for me. So I thought that was really nice. But um, then I had another friend because that hits you so hard in the gut when like, you know, your stuff is something about you is being circulated like everywhere. Like my sisters who didn't even know I was in the industry were like, I saw you on Facebook. And I was like, oh, this is the problem with viral stuff. And it never goes back in the box. And then the comments, unfortunately, just keep on coming, right? Right. And then it's like everybody, including my family, including people that like I um, 
didn't know knew this about me are seeing people fat shame me. You know, and there's almost something yeah. more embarrassing to me about them seeing other people be mean to me than like like them seeing my body is one thing. Them seeing people tear my body apart from other people is another. That would be so hard, really hard for you and hard for them as well. Yeah, I actually had to go to my son, um, who's a teenager, because I was afraid it would like come across his um, feeds in some way, too, even though he's young. And I was like, listen, I just wanted to tell you, we did a documentary. Um, People are calling me fat. I know about it. Don't worry. I'm okay. Because I didn't want that to like scar him. Like, people are talking bad about my mom online, you know, like, I I just, you were really hurt by it. That would be, yeah, no. And I just said, I know about it already. Don't read it. If you see, if you ever see this video, don't read the comments. I'm aware of them. Their people are just being mean. And he was like, what, why are they doing that? And I was like, I don't know. (laughs) Oh, so many reasons. There's something, I think there's something about repetition too. And I don't, uh, you know, you know when you know you were young, and your parents would say, "Oh, you know, sticks and stones would break your bones, yeah. but names can never hurt you." Like they actually do. And you know, mm-hmm. sure, if someone says something you don't like, you might be able to brush it off. But if fifty thousand people right. um, say the same thing, it's going to have an impact. And I'm I'm yeah. kind of curious as to why the, why everyone is so um, the fat stuff really gets people worked up. You get the really strong feelings. Um, yeah. and they just kind of, this stuff kind of spews out and I'm kind of curious as to how it got there. And I think repetition is the answer, right? Yeah. Like- and I also think that like, so part of me, and this is how I like dealt with this emotionally for myself, I think is that part of me started to think like, what are they so mad about? Like, you know, what like are they feeling, what are they feeling? Why are they yeah. mad? Cause you've hit Why- a sore spot why is my body offending them so much? And the only thing I can think is that like, are they, I mean, they don't know how to process like a normal looking person, like in, um, in this sort of spotlight, there was something that like really upset them about that. And so I have Mm. to think like, that's something about, them but also Mm -hmm. I think that there's like a performance that's going on from the men to the other men so like one person is gonna say like you look terrible like you know blah 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 whatever and then another person is gonna feel like they have to agree with that person in order to be like cool stay on the team like yeah so I feel like I felt like and especially having like been in the industry I feel like there's a lot of pressure by other men to for men to think that a certain thing is attractive you know like I've dated men where they've said I've always been attracted to curvier women um but I felt like I wasn't supposed to be you know and so they get they get these messages that like they're supposed to be attracted to a certain body type but they actually what actually gets them going is something that's different but they're like embarrassed by that desire and told that that they're not supposed to like that so part of me was like well and the a funny thing was also happening which is that I don't have an OnlyFans anymore I don't have anything to like pump because I'm doing more in-person stuff now but at the time mm-hmm. I had a OnlyFans and a mini vids 
when that came out, also my subscriptions exploded. Like right. people at the same time were like, oh, I, I want that. And then, oh, you can't make a living in this. And I'm like, those things don't make sense together. Do you think it's the same people? Do you think it's the people going, that's disgusting, and then going and maybe fapping to your OnlyFans? Because I, I think that kind of really yeah. emotionally charged reaction comes from somewhere, and I'd love to know if it came from, this is speculation, I'm yeah. not a psychologist, from mm -hmm. I can't have that and I'm angry or these things I want I'm afraid I'm never going to get because my mate said it's not okay to like fat chicks and I'm really, right. I'm yeah. really grief-stricken about that so I'm going to, that's where that emotion comes from. Right. You know? Yeah, that's what I thought. You know, I was like, right? these are contradictory. Like, how is it that like, now my business is going really well, but all of these people are saying I can't possibly like make it here when obviously I am. When um, Whenever I see anger, I always look for pain. So to me, mm -hmm, anger, mm -hmm. there's always something underneath it. And usually yeah. in my experience, it's pain. So then I go, well, okay, well, where are you, where are you hurting? What's the, what's the hurt that you're trying to avoid by getting angry? And yeah, like this is a thing. We tell people what they should and shouldn't be attracted to. We tell them that they're not allowed to have sex if they're not conventionally attractive. Mm -hmm. um, all this pressure, you know, as to mm -hmm. what we are yeah. not allowed to do. That means we just can't get what we want. Yeah, and it's it's sad because I also see like for a lot of, um, you know, so there's that. But then there's also a lot of clients who like I wrote about this and I wrote a tryst piece about being a fat sex worker and I interviewed a lot of other fat sex workers. And one of the things like I started it with a scene from like, I was at a booking and somebody like was almost apologized. Like this, this, he's not the only person who's done this, but it was on my mind at the time that I wrote it, um, was kind of apologizing for his like attraction to me. Like, Oh, Aww. I, um, like he was like, he said something like, Oh, I love fat thighs and asses. And I was like, okay, thanks. Because that seem I have that. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, then he was like, oh, you know, I'm a, I, I know most guys don't like that, but I do. And I was like, no, uh, no, a lot of people lo do. Lo lots of guys like that, mm. <laughs> you know? And it was interesting because I was thinking about this weird position that um, fat sex workers, but fat people in general are put in where like they have to defend their own attractiveness to people who are already attracted to them. Like what kind of like mind fuck is that? That's really weird. Yeah. yeah. And this is kind of the mind fuck that we're, we're all subjected to where we yeah. can't even like what we like because our shame is so ingrained that even mm -hmm. when you meet someone that you like, you find yourself apologizing to them for liking them. Like what kind of head fuck is that? <laughs> Oh my god! But this, like, so this I'm shit in this position where I where I'm like, no, it's okay. You're you're allowed to like me, and then I'm like, why should I tell you to like me? Like, I, I, you know, it's very, yeah, it's very weird. I'm curious as to whether this is where the whole fat fetishization, not speaking well today, the fat fetishization thing comes from. Like sometimes when we have desires that are we think are unacceptable, we kind of really own them. Like you know. Um, you know, the same reason we, and I've done this, so no shade, but you know, when you cover your jacket in queer pride flags mm -hmm. or you dress up into the nines in your leather gear and go out on the street to go, oh, I'm kinky and fucking deal yeah. with it. Like, I'm wondering whether people really go, yes, you know, I have a fat fetish. I'm into fat people and really like own it like 300% mm. to try and get past the fact that they do feel a, it's hard for them to admit something that might be a little bit taboo or a bit different. 
Um, you know, I, I have to admit, or I have to say that I think that, um, I, this is, I, I'm stumbling over how to say this because it feels like a weird thing to say, but like, I feel like I'm actually not fat enough to speak to that. Like, um, uh, in the sense yeah, that like yeah. the, the, a lot of people who are like very into like, I'm fat enough that like, I can't wear straight sizes and mm-hmm. I don't like, um, I get like categorized as like a fat sex worker or a fat performer or whatever. But like the people who are really like fat fetishists um, tend to like what we call like SSBBW. So like very, very large women. Um, yeah. I think that, um, and that to me, because I've interviewed a lot of SSBBWs for pieces mm-hmm. that I've written, um, that tends to be slightly different than the experiences that I've had. So what what I've heard from people that I've interviewed with, uh, or that I've interviewed, um, a lot of like the feederism and stuff like that comes in for them where like, you know, I this is something I haven't experienced where I've never had somebody who like wants to feed me or like wants to as get me fatter, yeah. like as a fetish. But I've had friends who've, um, friends and people who I've interviewed who've had those experiences. And for some of them, they say, especially if they're workers, a lot of them will say, oh, this is great because this is like such an East fetish that like those customers are like super loyal. So it's great. Um, but for people who aren't like trying to make a living off of this, I feel like it's a it's a different experience because for a lot of them, they'll talk about the fact that like some of it feels like a, a control thing like they Mm -hmm. want them to become so fat that they're like immobilized um and Mm. um uh prevented from doing anything without the help of that person you know so there's like a whole bunch of control kind of stuff coming into it which is fine if it's well negotiated in a bdsm context but not okay if it's kind of unspoken stuff that could start yeah, to feel a bit weird, right? Right. And I have to say that that's outside of my experience, but I know that I've talked to enough people who've had those sorts of dynamics and sometimes they've been very fun for them. But like one of my friends gained 110 pounds um, doing selling custom clips um, and had to say to her fan base, like, I just, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> like, like this is becoming like a health issue for me. So I'm going to have to, or, or she, she started setting up rules. Like I only do this once a week. I can't eat an entire cake every day. I can only do it, you know, <laughs> but yeah, so that's like on the fetish end of it, I think, but there's also like a lot of people who are just, um, who are just attracted to larger or curvier, softer, women um Mm -hmm. who have different feelings about that some don't have any problem with that at all um and then for clients i would say that a lot of times the clients who really like escorts for example who are heavier a lot of them have very thin wives um so variety is everything (laughs) yeah and variety might be one thing um on a on a more um critical note uh it could be that like um what what they what's respectable in public um yeah you know (laughs) yeah Um, right this is a dating thing too so i think mm -hmm. it's called stabling if you're dating someone who doesn't fit conventional beauty standards and often it's because they're a bit bigger and Uh then you just refuse to introduce them to your friends and you'll fuck them and go out with them on the down low but not publicly Mm -hmm. And that's a thing that a lot of people complain of and often it's people who are larger 
Like, yeah, yeah I was dating this guy who's great. And then after six months realized I hadn't met any of his friends. Yeah. So there's like people you're allowed to be seen with and then people who you actually desire, but like don't want people to know about that desire. So it's like, it's very complicated. I think that I try to, um, you know, I had a client recently who said something like, um, cause he, he's not an example of that. Like his partner, they're poly and his partner is quite large. And, um, he was saying that one of the things, uh, about, um, her is that she's self-conscious about it. And that one of the things that he likes about me is that I don't seem to be self-conscious about it. And it's like kind of healing for them to think about like, well, how could you just occupy your body and like enjoy it and not apologize for it? You know? And I think that, Mm. um, when I first started doing like, um, erotic modeling, for example, um, and I would have photographers like take pictures of me and post them on Twitter and Instagram or whatever. Um, I remember being like, oh, why did you post that one? Like my fat roll is like here or like this. And then I I intentionally stopped doing that and being like, well, if this photographer found something like sexy about this picture mm-hmm. and wanted to post it, Trust he them. can't he can't be the only person who likes this. And yep. Also, like somebody will probably see themselves there. Like we we have this idea of like looking perfect that I think does a lot of damage to like everybody. So I very intentionally like stepped back from that and was like, I'm not going to police my own image in that way. (laughs) And um, yeah, so it's been like it's been a journey, though. And this this is actually an issue that comes up for for people working with photographers too, not just control over your own images. And, you know, maybe some people are happy to let let it go and work with it and some people need to have control so they can feel safe. And then, of course, finding mm-hmm. a photographer that won't shame you yeah, or yeah, take absolutely. terrible pictures of you because mm-hmm. they've only ever worked with skinny people. That's um, a huge issue. It becomes yeah. a big issue. And mm-hmm. also just to double back too, and this is something we did talk about a little while ago, but I just wanted to raise it. Thank you for flagging that within the BBW community in sex work, there is a huge amount of variation. It could just be being a curvy size 16 or 18 right up Mm -hmm. to, you know, your um, extra large folks. And I know Mm -hmm. that there has been some stuff said, particularly on Twitter, and there have been some really good threads of larger workers saying that they feel like BBW is becoming kind of commodified, like, oh, if you're BBW, it just means you're size 16 and a bit more curvy. And then they Mm -hmm. feel left out of their own subculture Um, Mm -hmm. and so yeah really good thanks for sort of including that diversity and just saying like when we're talking about fat people we're not just talking about hourglass uh you know types that look like cartoon characters that still fit other alternative standards of beauty but we're actually talking about everyone the people with the giant fat rolls the people with yeah you know Mm -hmm. fucking massive thighs or whatever all the stuff and yeah it's really important for us to think about that kind of stuff as as everyone not just trying to make um, everyone fit into just a different different box, you know. Right, that ain't right. Cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what I, what I would probably I haven't actually looked at my questions once, but it's been really good. What what I would probably say because we've talked about the the experience, and thank you so much for sharing, particularly around the hard stuff too, like just the the negativity that gets dumped on people. It's really full on. You've also talked about being appreciated, and I guess maybe I'd like to finish on asking for your advice, because I know that there will be people listening who 
um, who are into larger body types, who mm-hmm. the first kind of person who might want to say that they love your your belly and your thighs, but then might mm-hmm. accidentally backtrack and give you a backhanded insult by going, "I hope that's okay" or whatever. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. How can how can clients appreciate you and appreciate the people they see without accidentally mm-hmm. kind of tripping themselves up around this, like the shame that we all have around body standards and beauty standards. It's so, so simple to me, but it's not simple. Like my, my answer wants to be just like, allow yourself to like what you like. It's, Mm. it's when you're afraid to like what you like that you start apologizing for those desires or you start like backpedaling and saying like, well, I, I'm not supposed to like cellulite, but I like cellulite. And I'm like, okay, but like, it's pretty normal to have cellulite. So like, right. Or even feeling ashamed the day after and things like that. Maybe I wonder if that's an issue for people like, oh, is it okay? Is what I like okay? And the answer is, as long as you're not hurting someone, of course, what you like is okay. Yeah. I try to, um, in the same way that I did for like the women who like my writing and see my themselves like represented, I, I, work very hard to, um, to be present in my body when I, I mean all the time, but like, particularly when I'm working and to kind of set an, an example for like, what it is like to appreciate your own body and my clients' bodies as well, you know, not just mine, but like, um, I, I feel like that's really important and to come in, I mean, this isn't something a client can do, I guess, but 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 it is, I think. Like, I feel like I work very hard to like claim my body and what and my own desires, and I try to open up space for like clients to be able to do that as well. And mm. I feel like they, um, I feel like one of the things that clients can do is is think to themselves before going into a session. You know, um, and, and I guess it's easy for me because I or. It's not an easy thing, but I guess that the reason I can do that is because I hold in the back of my head somewhere that there are a whole bunch of people that they could have chosen. They chose me for some reason. I have to believe that they're like attracted to me. Otherwise, why would they be here? You know, so um, so I think that um, if clients could do that same sort of like inventory before going in and say like, okay, this is clearly somebody I'm very interested in spending an hour, two hours, four hours with. Um, I want to go in and just enjoy the experience and not second guess, you know, every moment of it and not um, apologize for why I'm there, which is broader than just um, broader than just uh, stuff around fat. I also think that clients can feel bad about being there like I shouldn't have to do this or whatever and there's so Mm -hmm. many reasons to see sex workers so like if they could kind of put aside the shame of like seeing a sex worker um and think of it as an opportunity to connect with another human being that they have some interest in um then it can be a really beautiful experience Mm -hmm. and that's I guess where I would go with that is just um I think what clients can do is um is if only to themselves, they don't even have to say this out loud, but like claim their desire and go in with an open mind and an open heart and enjoy the time that they have. It really does start with ourselves. If there are bits of ourselves, whether they're physical bits or emotional bits that we're Mm -hmm. afraid or ashamed of or insecure about, 
of course we're going to pick up on that stuff with other people and then worry about that stuff and trip over our own tongues when we try mm-hmm. and say things. So, you know, that kind of like, well, what what do I feel insecure about? Do I feel bad about my age? Do I feel bad about my wobbly bits? And mm-hmm. have a think about whether it's, is it helping anyone to feel bad about that stuff? And if not, maybe try <laughs> yeah. and let go of it a little, you know, right. that might bring a better vibe to the session, right? Mm-hmm, hmm yeah. Yeah, so that would be my advice is just to, just go into something open. You're allowed to find whatever you find attractive, attractive, especially if you particularly seek those things out, what you're doing when, I mean, it's mm-hmm. seeing a sex worker is so different than like dating because when you're dating, you end up connecting with people for like a variety of different things. Seeing a sex worker is like picking somebody out of a catalog. You pick what you want, <laughs> you know? Nice. Um, and so, uh, for I, I'm not just saying like because of their pictures or whatever. It's like a whole combination and confluence of things. Um, you choose the person you think will be best for you. But you choose the person you think would be best for you. So mm. just go into it stoked about the fact that you're going like, to see the person that you picked out of everybody. Yeah, and, and professionally a good worker won't judge you for your appearance and professionally a good worker will expect that you will wholeheartedly appreciate them for whatever they bring. So like, mm-hmm. go with that vibe. Um, when we try and drag all that, you know, the dating stuff we've learned about, oh, you know, but am I doing the right thing and what if they're judging mm-hmm. me and what if it's not going well and what if they think I'm gross in, it really just bogs down the whole session, right? If we can just come in going, I've paid for this, they're going to give me professional courtesy. They're not going to judge me for what I look like because they've seen all sorts of people and I'm coming because this is what I want and this is what I've decided Mm -hmm. I like. So I'm just Mm going to like it. Yeah, you know, just like it. Just like it. It's easy, just easier go in to say and like than it. to do. <laughs> right. It's interesting, I, though, because I did a um, – one of my regulars um, booked me with a friend of mine um, as a duo, and before – and so I just told her, like, hey, uh, this person wants to do this. Are you interested in it? She's like, sure. And then he's like, does she know what I look – Did what did you tell her I look like? Oh. And I was like – I was oh, like, I, I don't know that I did. Like, it didn't occur to me because to it give doesn't like, matter. right, to give a physical right. description. And he's like, well, what if she's not into me? And I was like, this is not, that's not how we think. No, you if know? you bring a good vibe and you're respectful, yeah. we're going to be really into you. Yeah, she yeah. trusts me because we're friends and mm-hmm. I trust you. And so she's, she's, she's game. Let's, let's just have a good time, you know? And so. But I, but I had to say, like, that's not how she's thinking about this. She's excited to have this experience, <clears throat> you know, so long as you're like, what we're looking for is people who are going to treat us respectfully, um, people who are going to follow our boundaries, people who are going to, like, um, abide by whatever procedures that we have to make us feel safe and comfortable. Mm. Everything else is doesn't matter. And I'd add to that people that feel good in their own bodies that bring a good vibe and feel good in their own skin and can really get into the moment. And that has nothing to do with your appearance and everything to do with how comfortable you are with your body. Yeah, um, absolutely. I imagine it's a lot easier for conventionally attractive people to feel confident in their bodies because they've spent their whole lives, you know, f- being told that they're the ones that are allowed to have sex and that yeah. have good sex. But, yeah, like anyone can learn to get into their body and just – um, you know, be in their body and experience their feelings and um, mm-hmm. and really roll with it. And that makes for a really good session and really good sex in my experience. Someone yeah. who's comfortable with their body. That's actually what I hope um, people get out of sessions, like mm. is that 
like time to learn to feel comfortable with their body if it's something that they they don't experience in their lives, you know, like that that's that's part of the services that we provide. But it's a big leap if you show up and you're like, well, I, you know, to to turn up and trust that you can just feel good and someone else is going to hold that for you. That's literally what our job is. But yeah, it does take a bit of a leap of faith, but it's definitely one that's worth taking. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I agree. This has been a really interesting conversation. Thank you for this. I feel like I've really just gone some places in my brain that <laughs> I haven't before. Really? I'm glad. I was like, am I even addressing any of these questions? Yes. Yes. All the things, all the okay. things. I would love for um, for you to tell our listeners um, where else they can find your stuff because you have a lot of really cool stuff. Maybe point us in the direction of, of some of the um, some of the writing and some of the podcasts and work that you do. Yeah. So, I mean, the best place to find me is on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at sapiotextual and, with a T. And uh, I have a website, jessiesage.com. You can find all my podcast appearances, my podcast I run, my articles, my press appearances. Everything is on jessiesage.com. Um, I run On the Horizon with Melrose Michaels now. You can find that anywhere you find podcasts. Also, Peep Show Podcast, same thing, anywhere you find podcasts. And um, if you're interested in sessions, DM me and I'll tell you where to find that information. <laughs> Thanks for coming back and I'm sure we'll talk again. Thanks for joining us. If you want to become an expert sex work client, head on over to the website for more articles, your questions answered and exclusive member-only content. The web address is satisfactionproject.com. Stick with us and you'll be well on your way to having those peak experiences with independent sex workers that make life worth living. Bye.